Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 9 and chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you may turn there at this time. It is also printed in our worship folder. We have a rather long reading of Scripture tonight, uh, but it is a, a Scripture that truly is of one piece, I believe. It tells the story of Peter and of Cornelius. So we'll be reading all of this, uh, Acts chapter 9, beginning at 32, and then reading the rest uh, through to the end of chapter 10. What we hear now is God's Word. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. He stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and an devout soldier who was among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. 
In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the man and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by the holy angel to send for you, to come to his house, and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded, have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, 
He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Here we end the reading of God's well, you may notice that we did skip ahead just a little bit uh, in this series of sermons. Uh, we did not look at the beginning of chapter 9. Uh, that story is the story of the conversion of Saul. And uh, when I began this series, I said our intention is just to look at the first half of the book. And uh, the conversion of Saul really sets up the second half of the book. So uh, perhaps sometime in the future, when we look at the second half of Acts, we'll pick up the story of Saul's conversion. But now we go on to the end of chapter 9 and to chapter 10. When we think about the book of Acts, and we think about the mighty acts of God that are recorded for us, Certainly, one of the first things that comes to mind is the Pentecost event, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that certainly was a significant event in the life of the church. But I would suggest that for us, the events that we look at this evening are even more significant. We have seen the programmatic expansion of the kingdom of God. First, the gospel in Jerusalem, and then to Judea and Samaria, and finally to the ends of the earth. That last phase to the ends of the earth is beginning in chapter 10, where the Spirit is poured out even on the Gentiles. Peter is reintroduced to us at the end of chapter 9 and introduced to us as a great miracle worker. He is one who is healing the sick. He is one who is raising the dead. And he is one who, are, in our story tonight, we will see, has a vision that allows him to come and respond to the call of Cornelius. 
that the gospel may continue to go out, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out even on the Gentiles. This great work of God is announced through two different visions. A vision to Cornelius and a vision to Peter. A vision to a Gentile and a vision to a Jew. Cornelius, we read about in chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. He is described as a devout man, as a God-fearer. Now that term, a God-fearer, that term, a God-fearer, is actually something of a technical term. A God-fearer was someone who was not a Jew, but who embraced some of the teachings of Judaism. It was one who was not a Jew, but would embrace some of the teachings, but not including the external ceremonial laws. That would be a proselyte. A proselyte was someone who observed all the Jewish law, including the external laws, laws about food, laws about drink, laws about circumcision. Those who did not go that far, but still had a great appreciation for the teachings of the Jews, were called God-fearers. Gentiles who knew the teachings of the Jews. That's who uh, Cornelius is. A Gentile, a God-fearer. And God comes to him, verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. A, a fairly simple message in the vision he receives. Send people to Joppa to get Peter. And he doesn't say much more than that. Simple, clear vision. And Cornelius, a God-fearer, responds with simple obedience. Verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having laid everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. He was going to do as he was told, sending to get Peter. That's the vision that comes to Cornelius. We read, the next day, Peter receives a vision. Verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour, about noon, to pray. He became hungry and wanting something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And Peter is going to have a vision. A, a much more um, strange vision than Cornelius received. Children, in Peter's vision, what he sees is something like a great big sheet that is filled with all kinds of animals that comes down from heaven. That's the vision that he sees, this great big sheet with animals and reptiles and birds, and this big sheet full of animals 
comes down in front of Peter. And Peter is given an instruction as well. Verse 13. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Remember, it's noontime. He's hungry. And he's told, Go ahead. Here's your lunch. Arise and eat. Peter's response. He says, Oh, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You see, some of the animals in this great big sheet were unclean animals. The Jews were not allowed to eat just anything. There were certain animals they could eat, certain animals they couldn't eat. And those in this sheet were those which they could not eat. They were common animals. They were unclean animals. And a voice comes once again. Verse 15. The voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. Peter is going to be instructed. Peter is going to be taught. His, his way of thinking is going to be changed by the application of this vision. And we read that this happens three times. Three times it happened, and three times the thing was taken up once again into heaven. So he can be sure. You know, it's almost lunchtime. Maybe he's getting a little sleepy as he's hungry. Did I really see that? But three times he sees the vision to make sure that God, God would help Peter understand he is working his purposes out and will use the apostle Peter to do that. Read in verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. The, uh, the vision is going to be immediately applicable. They came from uh, Caesarea looking for Peter. And we read a little bit later in the story, we'll talk about that more, that Peter could not lawfully go with them. Look at verse 28. He said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. Peter concerned about the law. And, and according to the law, as he understood it, could not go. He could not go with them. And yet we see God at work through these visions to bring these two men together. Cornelius receives the vision and the instruction, go seek out Peter. He would not have done that were it not for the vision. Peter receives the instruction, you may go with them, don't count them as common. He would not have gone had it not been for the vision. God gives a double witness that he is in control and he is moving his kingdom forward. A vision to a Jew, a vision to a Gentile, that God is at work. And so Peter goes with him, with them. Peter goes along, and we read in verse 25, When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter lifted him up and saying, Stand up, I too am a man. Cornelius falls down in front of Peter, this messenger they have been looking for, falls down in front of him and begins to worship him. And Peter will have nothing of it. 
because he recognizes that he is only the messenger. A messenger sent by God, to be sure. But the messenger is not what's important. It will be the message that is important. We read in verse 28 once again. Uh, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. He, he will come, and he will speak. He's beginning to understand the vision, that it's okay for him to come to those who are common, those who are unclean, those of a different nation. He's beginning to see. But the fullness of the revelation will be found later in the story. And so uh, he says, I asked them, why did you send for me? And they recount Cornelius's vision again what took place, Cornelius and, and calling. And so as he comes, we finally read in verse 33, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. We are ready to hear you. And I find that so striking in light of how Peter is reintroduced to us in this part of the story. We saw Peter as a great preacher earlier in the book of Acts, but here he's reintroduced to us as a miracle worker, as one who heals the sick, as one who raises the dead. You might have expected him to say, we're ready to see you do something magnificent. What do they say? We are ready to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. They wanted to hear the word of God through his appointed messenger. That's instructive for us today as well. Certainly, uh, the messenger of God's word is not important. It is the message. But it's so easy for us to to want to find something else more exciting. We look for the great, we look for the grand. When, and what we need to do is say, Lord, we're ready to hear you. What is the message you have brought to us today? Not being distracted with all the other things, but a focus on hearing the word of the Lord. And so Peter, we read verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and he began to instruct them. He says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He begins to talk about the work of Jesus Christ, recounting Jesus Christ's life, sent by God, rejected by men, recounting his death. He was hung on a tree. He was crucified. And that truth, that truth of Jesus Christ and him crucified, is still the backbone of all gospel. We preach Jesus Christ, his life, and his death, and his resurrection. And Peter, I, I, I almost imagine him as he begins to talk with these Gentiles, he begins to understand even more the fullness of the vision he has received. 
Peter realizes it as he says it. Again, verse 40, we'll go on to verse 42. Verse 42, he says, And he commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judged living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in him. They thought the Jews who believe in him receive forgiveness. And it's as if the scales fall off Peter's eyes. And he realizes, no, God's people is much broader than just the Jewish nation. It is for everyone who receives him. It is for everyone who hears and places their faith on him. The gospel comes even to the Gentiles. To these common, to these unclean, Peter realizes that God's, God's church is much greater, is much broader than he had ever imagined. So we read in verse 44, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Those who were with him couldn't believe it. Those who were with him couldn't believe that on these common, on these unclean, on these, these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit is poured out as well. I, and that's why I say this event is for us even more significant than the Pentecost event. Because Pentecost, as glorious as it was, was a Jewish event. Remember back in Acts chapter 2, we read in Acts chapter 2, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Jews were there. And Jews experienced the Pentecost event. Verse 14, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and you who dwell in Jerusalem. He addressed the Jews. Again, chapter 2, verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. And in verse 29, Brothers, I say to you, Pentecost was a Jewish event. The Spirit falling on all of the Jews, not just particular ones, but it was still a Jewish event. We saw in Samaria when the Holy Spirit comes. Remember the Samaritans, those who had intermingled with uh, other nations, but still of Jewish roots. And when the Holy Spirit and the uh, Pentecost comes to Samaria, it still is fundamentally a Jewish-rooted experience. Now, now even on the Gentiles, on those who were outsiders, the Holy Spirit falls. This is amazing. No longer would they see the church as one particular ethnic people. Again, from uh, verse 45, we read there, they who came with Peter were amazed 
They were amazed because the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And this is, this is our beginnings in the faith. Even on the Gentiles, we were those who were outside of the covenant people. We were those who were not of the Jewish nation. And yet we too were brought in. In fact, Peter goes on, verse 46, he says, For they were hearing and speaking, extolling God. And Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? The Gentiles are brought in. They are given the covenant sign. They are part of the people of God. These are our forefathers, the Gentiles, those outside the Old Testament covenant community. Remember, the gospel did not come first to Dutch Calvinists. The gospel came first to the Jews. And yet God, in his love, in his mercy, would bring in those who were outside. We have That is God's global plan of ministry. And that's the plan that continues to go on today as the gospel continues to go out to the ends of the earth. And no one can say, you know, I'm not of the right lineage, I'm not of the right family. When Jesus Christ is preached, and when the Holy Spirit gives the gift of faith, all are brought in. We have been brought in. Others are brought in. God continues to grow His glorious church. So the call of the gospel goes out again today. Whoever you are, whatever your background, if you know Jesus Christ, His life and His death and His resurrection as your only hope, then you are brought in. You are part of the covenant people of God. The Spirit falls even on us, even on the Gentiles. God continues to bring glory to himself as he expands his worldwide church. Oh, we praise God. Now, he did not limit his spirit to a particular ethnic group. But God continues to pour out the spirit, even today. We know he does, because he did for us, the Gentiles. Let's join together. Lord God, how we praise you for your glorious work. We acknowledge, O oh God, we were not those to whom the gospel first came. We were not those who were part of your Old Testament covenant people. And without the glorious work of your Holy Spirit that came even upon Gentiles, we would still be outside of your kingdom. And so we praise you, O oh God. And we thank you and we are humble before you that you would see fit to bring the call of the gospel to us. That you would incline our hearts to hear and respond to that call, the call of Jesus Christ. And that your Holy Spirit and the sign of baptism would be given to us, your people, your church. May we, O oh God, never think that we are somehow deserving we have somehow earned this, uh, this glorious grace. But it is a gift from you, even given on those who are outside of the time. Thank you, O oh God, for your glorious work. May we live every day 
showing you our gratitude and showing you our thanksgiving. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.